from the Bet America Radio Network. This is the Who Do You Like podcast. Who do you like? With tips, angles, and information to help you win at sports betting. Now, here's your host, Scott Shapiro. Hey, sports fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Who Do You Like podcast. What a week it was in Louisville to start the month of May. Another incredibly successful Kentucky Derby at Churchill Downs did end with the controversial disqualification of maximum security in the biggest race of the year in the States. We'll touch on that in a few minutes, but for the most part, I think the debate has been beaten to death long before this discussion. Being a part of things on site in the days leading up to the run for the Roses and on the first Saturday of May was once again a great honor and something I look forward to in 2020. Hopefully you all enjoyed one of racing's biggest weeks as much as I did. I'll bring in my colleague Ed DeRosa to recap the Derby a bit and take an early look at the Preakness Stake since next week's pod will focus on the PGA Championship in a moment. But before we do, just a couple of quick reminders. First, if you're new to the pod and like what you hear, you can find it each week on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Subscribe so you're aware where each new episode goes live. And if you'd be so kind to hit that five-star rating and leave a comment, it would be very helpful. Secondly, new New Jersey players, do not forget about the great promo Bet America has going on. Earn up to a $500 bonus on your initial deposit. Just use the promo code GET500, that's G-E-T-500, when depositing and get 100% back. All right, well, I was fortunate enough to be on his pod last week before the Kentucky Derby and also am quite lucky enough to get to sit just a few desks away from his unique sense of humor and incredible command of the English language each and every day in the Churchill Downs corporate office. He's the host of the How to Bet Horse Racing podcast, the director of marketing at Brisnet, the director of communications at Twin Spires, and someone that I can truly say has been instrumental in helping me to get where I am in my career today. My friend, Ed DeRosa, recovered yet from the Derby, Eddie D? Uh, recovered, getting to Churchill yesterday uh, for live racing always makes you realize uh, it's time to turn the page on to late spring and summer racing, so like you said, certainly an experience I'll never forget being there, but uh, plenty of uh, good events on the horizon. Yeah, I was uh, I was lucky enough to get to experience most of the car yesterday, too, and great meet coming up at Churchill. Obviously, the quality of racing, hard to compete with uh, during those Oaks and Derby Day cards, but uh, great betting, uh, plenty of opportunity available, and with the increase in purses, I expect it to be as strong as ever there in uh, Louisville. Clearly a week after the big race, though, Eddie D, all sides of the DQ debate have been discussed at nauseum, but I'd not feel right getting this conversation started with uh, at least getting your final take on the decision that did vault country house into the winner's circle and a spot in racing history. Uh, yeah, my, my two takeaways is one, just being there live and hearing the gasp from the crowd when Travis announced there'd be a disqualification, something I'll never forget. Uh, any family members who end up enjoying racing. I feel like I'll be telling that story for generations. Truly, uh, I mean, all hyperbole aside, we, we may never see it again. Uh, so the, the fact that we were there for that and experienced it with that crowd was definitely, uh, you know, perhaps once in a lifetime type of situation. Uh, and then just in general, I, I do think the discussions, you know, we, we've all heard all the sides and certainly not going to convince anyone here. But in, in general, my macro approach of, you know, basically agreeing with the European style that um, 
promoting horses who who did not appear as if they were ever going to win uh is definitely something i would like to see in u.s racing and i'm not even saying that would have been the case here uh but i still smart scott from the uh 2015 beverly d when secret gesture was dq'd uh and what i think it was what's the chances a horse who was lengths back to second was never, ever, ever winning that race, uh, was declared the winner just because they felt like they had to punish the first across the line. So um, this was not in that camp, so I'm not trying to compare the two, only to say that that is one rule in racing that this has brought out that I would like to see changed. Well, our opinions don't always align, but in this case they do. I think the first part about history as a history major, certainly we saw that uh, last Saturday, Definitely a unique experience. Uh, I'm fortunate to be friends with uh, Jamie Roth, the uh, managing partner of uh, LNJ Foxwoods, who bought into Country House. Didn't get to talk to her a lot, but but I, you know, kind of got the feeling. <laughs> we thought we had a unique experience. Imagine being in in someone's <laughs> shoes like that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, just crazy range of emotions. And, you know, I do feel for the connections of Maximum Security, who I did think was the best horse. I don't think anyone was going to beat him, although maybe you could make the case for horse like Game Winner, you know, horses like that. But in terms of the horses that had, you know, somewhat fair trips, he certainly was best. And I'm with you on it's what bothers me most out of all this is just that same situation where you have a horse getting placed as the winner in a race that never was going to win the race just because another horse was disqualified. I think that's unfair for a number of reasons. It's unfair to the better. It's probably unfair to the connections. Um, and, you know, a race like the Kentucky Derby, even the Beverly D, could have ramifications later in their career. I heard someone in the, I think, in the office or maybe at the track ask you that question, you know, will maximum security stud value be be hurt by this or will he be considered the Derby winner when stuff like that happens? How did you answer that question just for people? Yeah, that I, I think uh, it, it does hurt. I don't want to say it hurts his value because he has plenty of opportunity you know, the rest of the year to, to win grade one. And he already is a grade one winner, but whatever he ends up being valued at, at the end of his career, uh, actual Derby win would have made him all the more valuable. So I do think it hurts and it especially hurts. I think a horse like him, uh, being by a, a stallion who was, uh, you know, banished from us breeding, right. very modest, uh, debuted for 16. He needed the win more than say Tacitus, who being by Tappet out of close hatches is always going to have a stud career now as a graded stakes winner. Obviously the Derby would have made him worth more, made him worth more as any horse, but this was something maximum security definitely could have benefited from. So it does hurt, but you know, they have the Haskell in their sights and other prizes. I'm sure. Yeah. And uh, hopefully the, uh, you know, the, the ownership, the connections and the owners back off a little here, because it is getting a little bit ridiculous with this, <laughs> appealing process i don't expect anything to come of it i understand the frustration but let's get back into racing um before we dive into a look at the probables for next week's preakness stakes just wanted to get your thoughts on horses that you may be looking forward to playing back after the derby um or are excited to fade we'll start with uh are there any horses that uh whether it be in the preakness whether it be months from now the belmont that you're looking forward to playing back after their derby effort uh, well, uh, pretty much everything came to pass with War of Will. Um, I, I thought, and as funny as it is to say, you need the Derby, but he really hadn't had a meaningful race in 11 weeks. 
uh, I was thinking Preakness with him with any kind of decent run. Uh, but now with all the notoriety, uh, I, I think it's gone to a fade just because he's going to be the second choice uh, with no either of the Derby winners, so to speak. Uh, I expect all the money to go on him and improbable of the Derby runners. So that's a little disappointing. I, I feel like I saw the ball well with sort of his progression and how Mark Cassie was bringing him along. Um he definitely made a believer out of me, though. I think one of the takeaways for me as a fan last week, Scott, uh, is I was happy to see Serengeti Empress win. Love the connections, Ohio-based owner. And when War of Will made his little move and at the top of the stretch looked like he actually might have a chance to win, uh, as much as I was against him, I, I definitely found myself you know, feeling okay with you know Gary Barber and Mark Cassie getting the W. So... Um, just kind of interesting emotions there, but now in the Preakness, uh, I, I fear he'll, he'll be an underlay, uh, from a bet back standpoint, uh, I mean, he's a maiden. He was 60 some to one in the Derby. I didn't hate Bodie Express's run. Uh, I, I need to, I'm looking forward to talking with Emily next week on my podcast because he seems to be a horse who always plots well which worked out in the Florida Derby and at least he was in the race in the Kentucky Derby. So he's a horse. If he gets completely ignored at Pimlico might be worth betting for a similar trip in the Florida Derby where maybe he hangs on at a price to spice things up. Yeah. And, uh, the Emily Ed is, uh, speaking of is Emily Gullickson from optics EQ and brisnet.com does great work and trip handicapping and hoping to have her on this podcast, uh, before the Belmont stakes. But, uh, yeah, definitely follow her, uh, at Emily optics EQ. I think she changed right from M- May Emily or am I? Yeah. Okay. No, you're right. Yeah. Okay. Emily yeah. optics EQ and optics EQ is good resource as well. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're on brisnet and, uh, definitely rely on a lot of, their data uh, for you know my handicapping, and they definitely helped me land on Bodie Express in the Florida Derby is, is a long shot, and I found them impossible to ignore at a huge price in the Derby. And like I said, you know Scott, for me, uh, the Derby is so unique. Uh, you, you just kind of want to see some run. Uh, you and I have discussed some other trips where there was just absolutely no excuse. Uh, I mean, I guess you could say the footing, uh, given the unknowns, but... Uh, I, I did like that Bodie was at least in the race and, you know, Pimlico with a, a different field uh, maybe can can stick around and stay out of trouble. Um, but I, I think improbable out of all this is, is you know, the one is the favorite at Pimlico. If, if you're a believer, I can see sticking with him. And he certainly was brewing it, too, with the win at Churchill and then the grade one. But it just seems like he's he's an underlay territory for me as well. So. Uh, not a sexy race news-wise with the two big names being out after all this momentum from the DQ, Bruhaha, but certainly some opportunity because I think the, the favorite at the very least is opposable. Yeah, before we get into the Preakness, um, I just wanted to mention a couple horses that I'm looking forward to playing back. One is obvious. That's game winner. Um, I liked him in the race. He was hopelessly out of it early uh, after uh, trouble at the start. He was banged a bit. And he really ran a huge race. If you go back and watch all the ground he lost, um, and I didn't think it was as huge. When I watched it, I knew I was in trouble when he was 18th early. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember at one point thinking, 
come on, Joel, I felt, which was surprising to me that that ever even, you know, kicked in. I thought he was so hopeless. Um, so he's obvious he's going to be um, a horse that everybody believes in. And I'm expecting him, if everything's okay, to run in the Belmont. Who knows? But he seems like one of the few horses that can run uh, relatively all day in this crop uh, of three-year-olds that we've seen. The other one is a horse that you liked in the in the Derby, and it's by my standards. And it's not necessarily because he did any real running in the Kentucky Derby, but he broke slow in it. It allowed Gray Magician and Probable to cross over right in front of him. And he's a horse that needs a, a kind of an outside perfect stalking trip, or at least that's what he's shown in his best efforts in New Orleans. And he ended up three wide, four wide, way out of it. It was just an impossible trip for him. So, yeah, if he comes back in, say, a grade three race or, you know, something where he's going to be, you know, the heavy favorite because he was in the Kentucky Derby, it's not a horse I'm going to be diving in at at a short price. But I think if he comes back in a, in a race at, of this caliber or somewhere close and gets ignored on the tote board, I think he makes for an interesting prospect. Runners excited to fade. I think you mentioned the one to me that sticks out, and we'll talk about it, the Preakness in a moment. That's improbable. He got into a perfect stalking spot, had one of the better trips of, of the race, and just kind of was even late with really no excuse. And then Code of Honor, a horse that was good to me in this race and a horse that I've, has been good to me several times, if he cuts back to a mile, mile and a 16th, I'm not interested in fading him, but he could not have had a more dream run. I mean, he that, that race was basically handed to him, especially when you look at it, maximum security was going to come down for him not to get second. You know, maybe maximum security was just too good, but for him not to get second with that trip, I mean, it, it just a tough horse for me to ever think is going to be a mile and a quarter type, even if Shug can get him to improve and set him up for the Travers. So. Just my thoughts on uh, on that race, uh, or, or sorry, the Derby moving forward. A couple horses, some of them obvious, some of them not. Um, yeah, and, well, and, and on, on improbable, who uh, ended up being elevated to fourth, fifth. Um, I I agree with you. Uh, you know, sort of a, a perfect setup just to get where he was, uh, and then another horse who I think is going to pick up a lot of buzz off his seventh, who I think passed the most horses along with maybe game winner late would be master fencer. Uh, but, uh, Julian just, you know, gave him the absolute best chance to at least get a check and he came up short, but you know, those, those types of runs always get talked about into the Belmont. Plus he has some notoriety with being from Japan. So, you know, already looking ahead to the Belmont where, you know, Mott's talking about Tacitus for that race. Uh, not not really sure who I don't want to fall in love with anyone. We'll we'll see who ends up entering and things like that. But it, I, I think that race is conspiring with some big names pointing to it that are going to take uh, too much money. So we still got two good classic races, I think, to for me to get, get back my derby win and for you to maybe parlay it into a little bit more. Yeah, that's a very good point you made, though, about the late running horse in the Derby. It doesn't seem to be a very good angle. I remember falling for it probably twenty over 20 years ago now with a horse named Conte de Savoia. Might have been the Pine Bluff year of the Preakness. I was there in, in person and thought, ah, oh, this horse finished with a ton of run. He's going to, you know, really, you know, move forward. And these horses just don't seem to do so. So good point on Master Fencer. Obviously, there, there are exceptions to the rule, but of course. Not, a, not a great angle. All right, well, we've kind of touched a little bit on the Preakness in general with, with our conversation there, but it certainly lacks star power. It'll be the first time the Derby winner has not raced at Pimlico since Grindstone in 1996, who did exit the Derby with a career-ending injury. 
And the top three runners, as well as maximum security, will not run a week from Saturday in Baltimore unless something changes. Uh, we're eight days out as we record this. But while we won't have the Triple Crown winner in 2019 and, and very few from the Derby are racing, I do think it leaves horse players, handicappers, with a very challenging analytical puzzle to solve that, uh, like the Derby, for once, may not chalk out. Um, we kind of talked about Improbable already. I expect him to be the favorite. Maybe War of Will will battle for him, depending on buzz before the race. Is he a fade for you like he is for me? I got that sense. I know you didn't kind of finish your thoughts, but... Yeah, I, I think he has to be. I mean, I, I don't I don't think anyone would say, oh, this horse absolutely can't win unless he looks terrible in the morning and, you know, then you, you just know he's done. But certainly on paper he fits. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just think, I mean, we've seen this year in and year out. Um, the horses out of the Derby take money wherever they go next. Uh, it's why uh, this series is, you know, if you're a gambler, uh, you need to pay attention, even if you're one of those that – you know, preaches the money spends the same on a claimer if you hit a grade one, but uh, there's just more casual money that comes in on these races. And, you know, I think last year with uh, Good Magic is is a good example. Uh, you know, this was a horse who was bet down to second choice at, at Pimlico, and I thought there were some horses that, that had, you know, relative to their odds, uh, just as good a chance to make some noise underneath justify. And uh, that's what ended up happening. And I think we could see the same with improbable. This is just too competitive and even, a, even a group for me to take, you know, two to one on a horse that uh, really didn't run a fast number in the Derby and just doesn't seem to be going the, the right way as a three-year-old compared to his two-year-old form. Yeah, has not yet won, in fact, uh, as a three-year-old. So that's that's interesting no. that he's going to be a – go ahead. Yeah, and neither is Game Winner, who we both agree ran awesome in the Derby. But, you know, just visually, Scott, uh, just the feel you get from watching Game Winner is much different from watching Improbable. Um, Game Winner is running awesome races and, you know, just coming up short. And, you know, I think Roadster was probably cranked because he needed the points and – uh, then game winner hooked Omaha Beach, who certainly would have been a threat in the Derby pre-scratch. So it just feel it feels different, even though they kind of have the same two-year-old form and winless at three. Uh, that game winner is still progressing, whereas improbable maybe flattened out. I absolutely agree about that. It's funny you you look at the past performances and you would never be able to to make that kind of statement, but you watch the races and get a feel for these horses, and and I definitely agree. And I'm looking forward to uh, trying to beat Improbable, especially in the horizontal wagers. But I don't think he has to. You know, I don't. It, he definitely, like you said, nothing's going to surprise me if he runs well, but certainly a, a good chance to uh, beat a horse that's going to be favored. You mentioned your thoughts on War of Will being a horse that you thought the race for the Preakness would be his race because of the uh, race in the Louisiana Derby and the time off in training, and it does make sense to me. He certainly did appear somewhat loaded. I think I think the trip was slightly exaggerated to me. I think he had a chance to to run on a little more, and it's really hard to quantify what happened. I mean, that could totally take a horse mentally out of his race. So I don't want to be, you know, act as if I don't realize that. But at the same point, if he's going to get over bat, and I I could honestly see him, I I would make a case for him if you didn't put odds up that he ran as good or better than improbable in the Derby. So I could definitely see people that bet a significant amount of money taking being more interested in war of will and maybe those two could uh 
could be both co-favorites. And uh, I know our colleague James Scully, we didn't talk about it a lot, but he thinks Improbable will definitely be the favorite. I kind of think it's a little more up for grabs, um, but we shall see. But let's move on to horses that we we haven't discussed yet. There's a couple other from the Derby. Bodie Express, who you mentioned, you're a little bit uh, more lenient on on his race. Um, Certainly had a reason, you know, somewhat excused from the far outside and could move forward in his two worst races other than his debut, are in the slop. So maybe he's just a horse that likes that fast fast going. But the other derby horse that uh, appears to be going into the race kind of wasn't included in the uh, probables until a couple of days ago. That's win, win, win. Any interest in him? Uh, I, I don't think so. Um, I kind of quasi fell for the, the bluegrass thing with the trip. But, you know, Vacoma ran terrible and and the sheet, speaking of the Ragazin sheet on win, 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 just is, is not healthy at that top in the seven furlong race at Tampa and has just moved backwards since. So uh, it, it would be a, a pretty dramatic turnaround. I guess the price keeps drifting on him with every performance, but, uh, you know, he'll still have that derby allure and uh, he would be one I you know, when I, I look at horses to, you know, possibly toss, uh, he would definitely be in that mix for me. Yeah. And you mentioned kind of that sheet going backwards ever since that Pasco, I believe he set the track record that day with a yeah. 101 Brisnet speed rating at Tampa. The one thing he has going for him, he has run well in Maryland, albeit at Laurel, not Pimlico. That's where his first three races were. That's where I believe he is. Uh, Michael Trombetta, his trainer is, is stationed. Um, I guess I could see him for underneath, but depending on the price would be the only uh, only reason I would consider using him. His derby was very unimpressive, very little excuse to me, um, other than the fact that he was coming from well out of it, and they did have that slow middle part of the race that really didn't set it up for anyone from well out of it. Let's talk about the new shooters now, the ones that some people that listen to this pod may not be familiar with at all. Others of us uh, are more familiar, but not as familiar as we are uh, with the Derby runners, being that we put so much time into it. And there are some interesting ones this year, Ed, more than more so than usual, at least in my opinion. And we'll start with another twist of fatal horse. I know that you have definitely been fond of being, you know, I think he was even on top of your Derby top 10 at one point. Do you do you think this race sets up well for him? Is he a horse that you've moved, taken a step backwards with since he was in your top ten, the top of your top ten, or where where do you stand with this horse? Yeah, certainly disappointed uh, in both the Sunland and uh, Keeneland races uh, where he was runner up. Uh, very interested to see they got Ortiz uh, for the mount though. Um, you know, Jose rode Serengeti Empress uh, amazingly. Uh, definitely would credit him for. Uh, you know, getting her to, to go all the way at a mile and an eighth. And I think another twist of fate being a little more forwardly placed with Jose is a positive in my mind. I thought both in the Sunland race, uh, with cutting humor and the Lexington with Owendale, who's also in the Preakness, uh, they both got the jump on another twist of fate and, and they slammed the door on them. But another twist of fate never quit in the Lexington, I thought it might be a situation where, oh, he's been headed and he's going to pack it in. And he didn't. Uh, he just didn't have the momentum. But but he dug in. So if Jose can maybe reverse the tables and, and make an earlier move or, you know, I'm not, not really sure if it'll be a burst or just maybe try to grind him a little more into submission. Uh, I do think this horse can turn things around. And the El Camino Real Derby, uh, albeit on Tapita, but the number is definitely fast enough. 
to contend uh, with this group. So he's definitely uh, much, very much so on my contender list. And uh, hopefully with some others in here taking money, I mean, I could see him being fifth or sixth choice. Yeah, I, I agree with much of what you said, especially the part about the two, the winners of the last two races getting the jump on him. I do not hold those. Obviously, if, you know, you would like to see a horse if they're really a star, you know, overcome the less than ideal voyage. But uh, the cutting humor and Owendale both did get the jump on. I'm not sure if he was beating Owendale that day, but certainly could have beaten cutting could have beat cutting humor when he lost by a neck in the Sunland Derby. Obviously, cutting humor. Not sure if he's at this level of horse that I gave a long shot look in the Derby and ran wide a bit, but definitely had his chance in there. One thing I found interesting is he uh, another twist of fate had front wraps for the first time in that uh, Lexington. I'm not sure what to make of that. Hopefully, nothing. Is uh, nothing major and just kind of a precautionary thing, but he's a horse that I agree with you uh, is a must use. Now, with the emergence of a horse, we'll talk about in a moment. Warriors Charge does add a little bit to the pace of this race or likely pace scenario. Uh, I think he, I don't think he can do can win this race if it's a hot pace. I think he needs to be right up on it or right off the pace, or else maybe an underneath finish is the best case for him. Seven-time winner and always mining Maryland bred a hundred thirty thousand uh, dollar son of stay thirsty though uh, as a Maryland bred interesting this horse you watch his last six wins and it, it's hard to get a lot out of him because it wasn't against especially the last two were not against the quality of this field but there was great magician three back there was win 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 four back um, he's beaten some okay groups and he's done so easily where do you stand on always mining the Maryland bred? Definitely a fan. Uh, he was one also in the mix of my top 10, uh, really top five until they said they definitely were not going to the Derby. So uh, I respected the the talent. Um, little concern now, Scott, uh, that he might be third choice, uh, which, you know, he, he looks a lot sexier when you can sort of be contrarian and go with the local at 10 to one or even eight to one with the big Derby names in there. But with those lacking, uh, and you know, Maryland, especially the local media will be starved for a storyline and he provides it. And Kelly Rubley, uh, also a, a, a known commodity in Maryland and the female trainer thing. So that always gets talked about. So definitely worried about the price now with him, but, uh, certainly, uh, even his third choice, I, I would definitely say he would probably be in, in the mix for, for all my wagers. I mean, if, if win, win, win or improbable run well, with always mining, I, I guess I'll have to get beat. But certainly with horses like another twist of fate and Owen Dale, um, if, if always mining is with them, um, you know, without the favorites, uh, hopefully make something happen. But I, I see him as one of the likely winners. Yeah, it's a tough horse to toss, especially if you're going with an approach where I may, uh, as of eight days out, I'm considering going with the improbable war of will toss. Um, you know, in terms of horizontals, at least, um, he's a horse that'll be almost near impossible for me to not include. Um, all right, a horse that I'm extremely interested in, and even more so now with the uh, previously mentioned uh, addition of Warriors Charge, the second of Brad Cox ent entrance uh, into the field, who's been on the lead in his last two races, is uh, Bourbon War for Mark Hennig. Probably, to, in my opinion, one of the better horses to not get in the derby in the in the points era he uh he won two races before uh the two major preps in florida he ran big in the fountain of youth albeit with the flow and then he ran a fourth in the florida derby and didn't get in but what's been bet you know we've talked about it a ton and, and everything we've done that race was 
not friendly to closers. Now Hennig adds the blinkers, not a move that he's been that successful with, but, you know, that's fine. And they get Erod Ortiz Jr., who is, is riding as well as anyone. Are you considering Bourbon War as an option? Yeah, I think you have to. Um, and then for me, he's definitely one of those how much I consider him will depend on the price. But uh, I, I agree with you. I, I think there's a lot of talent here. The Florida Derby conspired against him. And I love the fact that, I mean, Mark Hennig has no issue, and you know that he's he's a guy I pay attention to. Uh, he has no issue with just staying in New York if that's what he thought was best for the horse. Um, you know, he, he likes to dance the dances with the right ones, but Peter Pan was the plan. Uh, I love that the Connections took a, a long look at the race and said, hey, we fit here and, and we're going. And they said so early. If, you know, we're Preakness week and all of a sudden he dropped in in the entry box, I'd say, uh, you know, did he get hustled? What's going on here? But um, I, I like the strategy. They went after, a you know, a big, big name jockey and got Irad. So there's definitely lots to like here. Uh, we'll see how much money he takes. Uh, I mean, Scott, I could see him being anywhere from third or fourth choice. He's someone to no name and the New York money might come in on him or, I mean, as low as seventh or eighth, if he just kind of gets ignored as, is a closer who doesn't get there. So I prefer seventh or eighth choice. Cause I, I definitely be a believer. And if he takes a ton of money, it, I'll have to, you know, downgrade him to more of a defensive use with the ones I really like. But, um, the, the tea leaves say this horse is going in the right direction. Yeah, I just love the way this horse finishes, both visually and the late pace numbers on Brisnet support it as well. I think this race could set up for him, and I love Erod. And like you said, I love the fact that they called the quick audible out of the Peter Pan. They didn't wait and see. It was a very quick determination that maybe maybe the horses from the Derby aren't that, you know, aren't unbeatable, and maybe this will set up for him. So at this moment, eight days out, Bourbon War to me is a key horse uh, in the 2019 Preakness. Uh, Owendale is, is the Brad. Let's talk about the two Brad Cox horses here for a bit. Uh, Warriors Charge, who just got out of two straight dominating performances in Arkansas, one by six and six and a half lengths, both in front running fashion, where they didn't go too fast early, uh, and he was the favorite. And then Owendale, the winner of the Lexington, and a winner three back uh, at Fairgrounds over a good surface over the likes of Frolic Moore and Gunnett. Which of these do you prefer? Or are both of them more interesting to you? Yeah, definitely, I guess, long-term would say Owen Dale. I, I think there's some real talent there. little concern with his form looking inside-outside, and the litmus for that for me a little bit is Frolicmore, um, a horse I gave a look to uh, in the Pat Day Mile, uh, you know, even though I know Connections wanted a little bit further maybe, but thought is a, is a bomb he he fit and he didn't really do much running and that's kind of what happened in the risen star owendale and frolic more looked great in that allowance race and then terrible in the risen star and then frolic more ran great behind intrepid heart owendale won the lexington so a little concerned if if there's a lot of money there that you know, maybe he's an underlay based on he'll take a step back off a big effort. But talent wise, I, I think he has a chance to fit really with any of these. Uh, his number in that allowance race uh, was spectacular uh, relative to the you know level. And I haven't seen the number from the Lexington, but uh, expect that it came back OK, given another twist of fate was behind him. So 
he, he's certainly interesting and, you know, Warriors charge with the speed, um, you know, could maybe set up that slingshot move again that we saw in the Lexington, but just finding the, the form a little hard to trust given that it seems on off on off. That's exactly what I saw the on off on off and coming off the career best effort. You wonder if he can continue to move forward or even replicate that Lexington, not a horse. I'm excited to fade or kind of key in on same yeah. can be said of warriors charge who, Kind of seems like a, it was a late audible compared to Bourbon War. It's, it's encouraging to think that they're, you know, willing to take a chance with a horse that just has the two wins uh, against Lesser at, at Oaklawn and doing so in front-running fashion. You just would have to think they're going to send this horse, which for someone that isn't liking a horse like Bourbon War, I found very positive. Not really sure where I stand. We've had less than 24 hours at this point to digest Warriors Charge appearance in the race. Let's just uh, quickly go uh, – couple minutes left here uh over the other horses that we haven't mentioned i believe we have uh, signal man a horse we're familiar with we got to see train quite a bit before the derby and then they opted to run in the preakness and did not keep their name in the box for the derby and then laughing fox a horse that has been uh, at arkansas five straight races we saw him at churchill back uh last fall any interest in either of these uh no, uh, and Signal Man especially is is on the fade list. Uh, I, I hope he takes money, but kind of think maybe the shine's off. Uh, I have no idea why the horse didn't enter the Derby. I know Kenny said, oh, you got to pay, whatever, and then you get the 20 if you draw in. Uh, well, the winner you know, had the 20 and, and actually had post-position 18 when it was all said and done, but um, I, it just feels like, I don't know if that was an excuse or the horse wasn't ready or what, but his numbers are slow. He didn't exactly wow Gary Young in the morning's Derby week. Uh, I, I hope Kenny talks this one up and and people you know give him a look because he is not going to be on any of my tickets. Yeah, it's an interesting one for me. I I can make an excuse for both of his first two races uh, of his three year old campaign. The Fountain of Youth was kind of favorites. He just didn't fire and. Who knows what the story was. McPeak said he was eight lengths too short coming after the race and even admitted before the race he was, you know, using it as a prep. And then the bluegrass, I think uh, Brian Hernandez Jr. realized the way the track was playing that day. It was very speed favoring and inside friendly and tried to take advantage of it and had this horse up closer than I think he wants to be. The discouraging part about this is the horse's uh, Churchill Downs form is uh, was so strong and they didn't opt to run in the Derby like you mentioned. You wonder if something was up. So I could see Signal Man as an underneath type that I would not want to get beat by if the price is right. Um, and Laughing Fox, to me, a horse that just is uh, a cut below. I'm, I'm right. a little surprised he's even going, but I guess <laughs> he, he qualified, right? He had one of the, uh, I think, one of the uh, automatic births or no, I forget. So, oh he won yeah the oaklawn race uh, yeah which, which uh was interesting because there was a horse in maximum security's debut who was in that race uh right. the only one claimed out of him so that was interesting but i, I mean laughing fox at you know the, the longest shot on the board or close to it depending on how they bet Bodie express and and I guess it would be one of those two i definitely would be inclined with the ones i really like just not to not use them, whereas a, a horse like Signal Man, I, I'm just actively against, unless they completely ignore him. Uh, and then, you know, then I guess he's run good enough races where, you know, at 20 or 30 to 1 against this group, like you said, you don't want to get beat by him. But 
Um, I mean, I know people who were hoping he got in the Derby because they liked him, and I, I just didn't get that at all. I think a lot of that might have been the affinity for the racetrack and, and Brian knowing the course. And like I said, maybe you could uh, make the case third off the layoff, he said, for a prime effort, which which I think is possible. But, yeah, very, very discouraging that local connections would not have opted to give the horse the chance in the Derby if they really right. thought a lot of them. All right, well, a little too early for a final pick, but let's finalize things here. Is there a horse that you're leaning towards? I know you're a, an ABC type guy, more than a top pick guy. Your A's or your top pick if we if the race was being run tomorrow and not next Saturday? Uh, I'd say it's going to come down to another twist of fate and always mining. Um, just finding these sort of competitive races where you have some, mon- some horses who you think will take more money than they should not based on performance, but, you know, reputation or who their trainers, et cetera, is I think will be the case with improbable. Uh, I've had some success. I, I, I'm trusting my eye and, and, you know, me, Scott, I'm not a huge replay watcher, or, you know, really intent on going back to every race, but, you know, I think if you like what you see, um, and there's no reason to think they've fallen off form that you should, you should go with that, especially in these type of spots where, like I said, horses take money. They shouldn't. So those two are, are definitely going to figure prominently barring any other information over the next week. Uh, and then, like I said, I think Bodie express, uh, pending Emily Gullickson's thoughts about reading the plot and why this one seems to plot so well. And if, if that's trustworthy, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think he can be ignored at a, at a huge price. Um, so th- those are the three I'm sort of coalescing around. And then, you know, we'll see what to make of Owendale's price and, and a few others. Good stuff as always, Ed, I appreciate it. And, and speaking of Emily and the how to bet horse racing podcast, who do you have uh, coming up over the next, I'm not sure if you'll do multiple ones uh, leading up to the Preakness or just one, but, but who do you have on tap? Yeah, if we can, uh, hopefully Ron will uh, be available, our, our very uh, solid producer, Ron Flatter. Uh, but Emily, for sure, is locked in on Monday, uh, then hoping to get John Scheinman, uh, Clips Award-winning writer who's based in Maryland, excellent handicapper, a lot of fun. Uh, and then Danny Zucker, who we missed uh, Derby Week because he was in Israel, uh, going to bring him back for some Preakness thoughts uh, from predictive form. So hopefully a, a good lineup and make some money not only on the Preakness, but uh, it's, a, it's a tricky two-day, Scott, because, you know, you want to play a lot of stakes races, uh, a lot of turf racing, full fields, et cetera. But uh, you also sort of get a much uh, formful, for lack of a better word, a lot more favorites. Uh, prices are depressed from what we're used to Derby. And it's an adjustment I've had a problem with, to be honest with you. You know, we're all excited for Derby. You spread, you see what the pick fours and pick fives pay. Uh, and then you get to Pimlico and put $144 into a pick four that pays 83 bucks. So um, just it's important to keep that in mind. And uh, we'll, we'll address all that next week. Yeah, hopefully the weather cooperates. That's killed it a little more. I mean, the Derby cards, when it rains, it seems like they don't come apart. But I remember specifically last year and a couple of years where the Preakness cards really do come apart uh, if, yep. if, if it is poor weather. But good info there. And for those of you, uh, I won't be concentrating on the Preakness next week. So definitely, uh, if you haven't checked out Ed's How to Bet Horse Racing podcast, found out all the same mediums that mine is. Highly recommend Emily uh, as well as his other guests. They all should be should be great. But uh, we're out of time. And like I mentioned, Can I get one next- more plug in? Please do. 
uh, brisnet.com uh, handicapping info is at brisnet.com slash preakness. Yes, brisnet.com. Yes, great stuff. My my uh, source of information, really uh, happy to have made the switch when I came over uh, to work at Churchill Downs, Inc. And uh, no looking back on that, Brisnet puts out a great product. Um, all right, well, we're out of time. And like I mentioned, next week I won't be focusing on horse racing for the first time in a month. I'll be back to uh, some of the sports betting world, and we'll have Garrett Skiba back on to discuss the PGA Championship, Tiger Woods, and the rest of the top golfers back in action. Really looking forward to the four days at Beth Page in New York, a very challenging course. But until then, have a great weekend, and good luck in all your endeavors. This has been the Who Do You Like podcast. For more information and to place your bets, go to betamerica.com.